Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome back to our study in the book of Proverbs. And today we are still in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14 through 19. So let's read our text and then we will look at some exposition. Proverbs 4, verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they do evil, and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and always reminding you there's a reason for it. We need him. We need his grace. Not only do I need his grace to teach, but you also need his grace to understand and obey. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your mercy, your grace. And Father, I'm here. Lord, you have placed a desire in our heart that these children growing up, Lord, in a world so, so twisted in many ways. Lord, I pray that they would know your son. And then that, that they would be directed, Lord, by wisdom. That their lives would demonstrate the abundant life of which Christ often spoke. Oh, dear God, help them. Without your help, we have no hope. And with your help, Lord, we have nothing but hope. So, Lord, please help these children. Please convert them to your son and give them life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, in our introduction, we didn't even get to our text. So let's read verse 14 and we'll expound it and see the truths that are there. Verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Now, who are the wicked? The wicked are those who are guilty of violating God's law. And here in Proverbs, um, it's not just talking about someone who sins. We all sin. But those who have set themselves um, they've hardened themselves against the Lord and against his law. And they, they, they do not want um, God because they do not want the kind of God that he is, a righteous God, a loving God, a good God. Now, I want to look at, at, at a few different ways in which men demonstrate wickedness. Uh, because when I say the word wicked, you probably have this idea of this very evil man, a murderer or a criminal of some sort who's done great damage to others. 
but there's there's different ways in which um, all of us prior to our conversion demonstrate wickedness first of all there are those who are wicked because they're simply foolish and they live a very careless life they will even acknowledge God acknowledge that he exists they may even pray to him at times but they're they're like a I don't want to say bird-brained, but kind of like a flighty bird. They're just, they're not using sense. For example, to say, let me give you an example. If an atheist says, I do not believe in God, and I do not believe in any fixed morality, and he lives that way, well, at least he's consistent. But the foolish person is someone who says, oh yes, I believe there's a God. Oh, I think the Bible's good. But just in there, they're just careless, flighty. Uh, they don't study the word. I mean, if the Bible is the revelation of God, and it is, it's the most important book containing the most important knowledge that exists. And it's foolish to say, you believe in God, you believe in the Bible, but it really has no impact whatsoever on your life. And you're not doing anything proactively to learn about God. Another way that wickedness manifests itself is in those who live as a law unto themselves. Um, in Judges twice we see, you know, Judges is one of the uh, probably saddest books in the Bible because you see a nation that just continues and continues and continues to depart from God. And the reason that is given for that twice in the book of Judges is that everyone did what is right in their own eyes. They chose their wisdom over God's. Now again, some people do that by saying, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the Bible, I'm going to go my own way. But so many people today, maybe even some of you, you say, yes, I believe I believe in the God of the Bible, and I believe the, the Bible is the word of God. But, but if someone was to look at your life under a, well, just observe your life, not even closely, they would see a great contradiction that most of the decisions you make for yourself with regard to your attitude, your action, the focus of your life, it's not it's not founded upon the Word of God, but you're simply just doing what is right in your own eyes. You see, the Bible directs us in everything. Now, it may not give us specific principles with regard to a specific context that we're in. For example, the Bible does not tell you to be diligent in studying mathematics. But the Bible does tell you to obey your parents. The Bible does tell you to honor those in authority over you. The Bible does tell you you were created in the image of God. And part of that image is, is seeking to discover, to know all the things about God and his world. The Bible also teaches that we should be good stewards of those privileges that have been given to us. So you see, the Bible literally tells us how to order our life. And if you say, oh, I agree with that, but you never order your life according to the Bible, there's something wrong. And then there's a last category that it manifests itself in those who, who live as though God had never given a law, but also they don't even live according to natural law. It's like their conscience. 
that thing that afflicts you when you do something wrong has just been burnt out. It's just been destroyed. And they're just literally carried by their own emotions and by their own lusts. Lusts are strong inward desires that are according to the human, uh, human's fallenness or moral corruption and opposed to God. Now, it says, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Now, I want to talk for a moment about the things that wicked men do. It's called sin. Oftentimes in both the Hebrew Bible and the Greek New Testament, uh, sin is defined as missing the mark, missing the mark. Now, like, for example, if I was in an archery range and there was a bullseye 50 yards down the range and I was aiming at the bullseye, but I missed the target completely. And you say, well, that doesn't sound too bad. I mean, that's a mistake. But but in the Bible, in the context of Scripture, it is missing the mark on purpose. It is missing the mark out of rebellion. It is God telling you to point your arrow in one direction and you point it in another. It's, it's him telling you to go down one path and you choose another. And you choose another because of your antagonism to God. And why are you antagonistic to God? Because he's righteous and good and you are not. And so I want to, you to know this sin is bad. And in the book of Proverbs, we're always hearing how sin, how wickedness, how unrighteousness is so destructive. It, it can destroy your life. And that is one of the reasons why sin is bad. But that's not the main reason sin is bad. Sin is horrible beyond description because of the one against whom it is committed. It is committed against an infinitely good, infinitely worthy God who is infinitely worthy of our obedience, infinitely worthy of our devotion. We are committing sins against someone who is truly good, which demonstrates that we're truly not. We are committing sins against someone who is truly wise, and we are not. But most of all, we're committing sins not against some small mayor of a small town, which would be bad enough in itself, we're committing sins not against the law of our government, which can get you in a lot of trouble, but you're committing sins against the one who made you, the king of heaven, the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's why sin is so bad. You know, young people, I, I used to look at sin as, you know, I think about what God has commanded and try to avoid it, to do what is right. The more I walk with God and the more that uh, I know about him. I don't want to sin, not merely because it's it's doing something wrong and can get me in a lot of trouble. I don't want to sin because I don't want to grieve the one who died for me. I don't want to grieve, sadden the one who created me who sustains me and who took his my sin upon himself and died in my place to save me. You see, this is personal. This is personal. This is all about Jesus. 
That's why we don't sin. That's why we don't want to sin. Because Jesus is so wonderful. And we dare not offend him. Now, let's go on. I also want you to note that the path of the wicked is a slippery slope. Once you enter, you will keep going. It's slippery. Let me tell you a story. I lived on a farm, and on our front door, um, going out to a gravel road, there was kind of a cement sidewalk that my dad had made. It was probably, I don't know, 25 feet long, and it had a slant to it. Not, not a big slant, but just a little bit of a slant. And I got up one morning, and it was winter, and it kind of looked pretty bad outside, and um, like it had iced. And I got to the kitchen, and my mom said, I haven't heard anything on the radio right now, but go out the front door and see if there's ice on the sidewalk. I, I want to know if, if the buses are going to run and you're going to go to school today. And I'll never forget. Um, I opened the door. I stepped my foot on the first concrete step. My feet went out from under me, and not only did I fall, I fell, and the sidewalk was so slippery that I just kept sliding, and I slid all the way to the end to the gravel road. I couldn't get back up on my feet. It was so icy and so slippery. I couldn't even hardly crawl back. Finally, I crawled back to the door, uh, grab a hold. I grabbed a hold of the door, then pulled myself up and grabbed a hold of the door handle and pulled myself in. And when I got in the kitchen, my mom said, what took you so long? Are we going to have school or not? I said, no, mom, I don't think we're going to have school. That's how slippery sin is. Once you start down that path, you're no longer in control. Now think about this. You're no longer in control once you go down that path. Remember what God said to Cain, sin is waiting at the door. It's crouching there, and its desire is to have you. Remember that jaguar I talked about in the last study? Man, a cat like that grabs you. You're no longer in control. He is now in control. And so it's a slippery slope. Um, I've heard a lot of, I remember my, my pastor when I was a new believer, uh, he would always say this, that first of all, like here's sin. Say that this hand represents sin and this hand represents you. And so the Bible tells you once you see that sin, just depart from it. But oftentimes we don't listen, do we? And we think, well, that's that's interesting. That's amusing. That's attractive. And we think that's as far as we're going to go. But that's not as far as we go, is it? Then we think, well, I can just touch it. I can just touch it. It's not bad. I'm just touching it. And then I let go. I touch and I let go. But then what happens? Pretty soon, it's no longer I touch and let go. But I take a hold of it. I take a hold of it. And then someone warns you, hey, you're getting into danger. You've taken a hold of sin. It's all right. I can let it go anytime I want. I take a hold of it. I let it go. I take a hold of it. I let it go until one day you take a hold of it. And my pastor used to say, and it takes a hold of you. And now you can't let go. You can't let go. Why? Because it's got a hold of you. And no matter how much you struggle against it, it's going to take control. Um, I read a book several years ago. I think it was by, by C.S. Lewis. Um, and now I'm not getting this perfectly right, but I want to use this by way of illustration. 
in which you see um, a man and he's like big guy and he's got a chain and on his chain he's got a sin it's a little sin big guy so the guy has the sin on a chain and can make the sin do whatever he wants he can come to the sin when he wants to he can leave the sin when he wants to and so it's a big guy it's a little sin and then what happens over time the sin starts to grow more and more powerful the guy becomes weaker and weaker and weaker so that when you look at it now it's no longer the guy has sin on a chain but sin has the man on a chain and is the one in control so remember this young person this is why we fear sin it's a slippery slope and I've written here if you have entered into sin if you've entered in onto the path of the wicked do all in your power to escape humble yourself you know go to your father go to your mother go to go to a responsible adult go to go to a pastor and say look I have gotten myself in this mess because I want you to know sometimes it is difficult to get out of there by yourself you should fear the path you're on and I've put here fear run and run to those who can help you humble yourself Get any help you can in order to get away. But first of all, go to your parents. Go to your father. Go to your mother. Talk to them. Talk to them. Now, I want us to go to a passage real quick in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's just go there, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, to give you an idea about what I'm talking about. Chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness or what harmony has Christ with Belial or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Well, the answer on all those rhetorical questions is absolutely nothing. There's no partnership between righteousness, which is conforming yourself to the law of God, and lawlessness, which is doing everything against the law of God. There's no fellowship between light and darkness. Okay, They have nothing to do with one another. There's no harmony between Christ and the devil. No fellowship, no harmony. You can't say you're following both at the same time. Now. When it says in verse 14, do not be bound together with unbelievers, it doesn't mean that you should never have an unbelieving friend. It doesn't mean that you should go and sell your home and live on a mountain somewhere out in a forest where there are no people or sit on a mountain somewhere and just chant prayers. It's not what it's talking about. We live in this world. We're not to be of it, but we live in it. And we live in it with unbelievers and we ought to be kind to them we ought to love them. We ought to serve them. It doesn't mean that we break all fellowship, all friendship with an unbeliever. What it means is this. Do not ever enter into a relationship with an unbeliever in which that relationship causes that unbeliever to have influence over you. Never. The moment you see, the moment you see 
that they're beginning to influence you away from God and his law, then you need to do everything in your power to break that bond. Now, listen to me, young people. Listen to me very carefully. Um, I'm not going to send a 12-year-old into war. I'm not even going to send an 18-year-old into war unless they've been properly trained and mature. Um, even I, as an old man, have to be careful with regard to my relationships. But you, being young and so susceptible, need to have even more care over your relationships. You're at a time right now in your life where you're a very moldable tree. Any wind, um, any influence can really, really change you for the good or for the bad. So you really need to spend a lot of fellowship with your parents. And with regard to friends, really listen to your mom and dad because they've lived longer than you. They, they, they can see things that maybe you don't see. I make it a point to minister to unbelieving people, but I also make it a point to be surrounded by godly people, people who will have a greater influence on my life for Christ. And you need to do the same. You really need to do the same. If this old guy needs to do it, how much more do you need to do it? Now, look, what it, look at the promise we have. In verse 16, God promises, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. He promises fellowship with us. He promises us so much in Christ. But look what he says, because of my promises to you, my willingness to fellowship with you, he says in verse 17, therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, dear young person, listen to me. To take a hold of the things of God, you're also going to have to let go of things that are contrary to God's nature, contrary to his law. God has given us a world. He's given us so many things, and there are so many things for you to uh, be entertained with, to, to rejoice in, to experience. I want my children to, to, to laugh and to, to have the most wonderful time. I want them to go doing all the things we love to do, kayaking, playing in the snow, hunting, fishing, all the things that we do. I want them to rejoice with friends. I want them to laugh to the point where they feel like they're going to fall on the floor. I want them to have a good time. I'm not saying that holiness has something against just being a young person and enjoying life. It doesn't. As a matter of fact, holiness is the context in which you will have the best of times. But you need to realize also in this world, this fallen world, there are things that you need to avoid. You really do. Those things that God tells you to avoid, avoid them. And those things he tells you to run to, run to them.
And in doing so, he promises you fellowship, his friendship, his direction. You know, it's a comforting thing for me. Right now, as I'm making this film, you know, I get news, I receive news today from different countries that really isn't good news. Um, wars that are happening, revolutions that are happening, the people of God are suffering. There are so many things going on in the world at this moment, governments being changed, all sorts of things. It's frightening. But to know that the Bible promises me that if I have fellowship with God, if I trust in his son, God knows me and he knows my ways. That doesn't mean he just looks and sees and understands. It means he's involved in it. He's directing my life. He has promised to care for me until he takes me home. I want that same confidence for you. I want you to know God's care. And so what must we do? Avoid those things that he says to avoid and do those things he says to do. Now, again, I have to say this over and over. That is not the means of saving you. I'm not saved because I've studied the Bible and I know what is evil and I run away from it and I study the Bible. And I know what's good and I run to it because I don't do that perfectly. Never have, never will. I am saved because I trust in Christ who did all that perfectly on my behalf and then died under the penalties that should have been suffered by me. But having been saved only by his grace through faith, I now want to walk in his abundance with his presence. How do I do that? Well, verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of the wicked. The way of evil, because if you enter it, if you enter that path, you're more than likely to proceed in it, to continue. And so avoid it all together. Well, God bless you. We're not making much progress as far as far as covering a lot of verses, but hopefully this will help you make progress in your Christian life. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com 